Many of us is a passage that we would probably know um, uh, out of all the, the stories Jesus told in the Bible. You'd know this one really well. Uh, so let's pray. Father, today I thank you for your word. It's life and truth to us. Help us to be incredible, the good soil for the seed of your truth. Amen? Amen. Uh, Luke chapter 15 and 11 to 24. Please grab your Bible. If you haven't got it, we'd encourage you to bring it, but it is on the screens as well. It's the story of the prodigal son. It's the story of the lost son, the younger son. One thing we do know, whatever else he is, he is a son. And it just says in verse 11 that he, then he said, um, then this is Jesus. Jesus said, a, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Right there in those three verses, there's just so much happens. Who knows the Bible gives us doesn't give us everything. It gives us the important stuff, but boy, there was so much happening right there. Verse 14, And when he had spent all, that's the young man, there arose a severe famine in the land, and there was a global financial downturn, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the pigs or the swine. And the young man would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the, the swine ate, but, and no one gave him anything. And when he came to himself... It's always a good place to come to yourself. He said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger, going on to verse 18. And I will arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Um, as any good Jewish father would. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and there here and kill it and let us eat and be married. For this son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he's what? He's found. And they began to be merry or happy or excited, whatever word you'd like to put in there. Everything but politically correct gay. We don't say that word anymore, do we? Because it has other connotations. That's a shame because it's a great word. But today, uh, we'll call it Mary. Uh, so we see that of all the stories in the Bible, this story is the story that shares, I, as I look at the story, it shares how to live a life uh, that you're doing it well a life of great wisdom. But you might say to me this morning, no, this story shares seemingly everything but that because it just doesn't seem to be a story that shares about how to do life well. It seems to be a story that shares about how to do life quite badly. And you would be right. But the reality is I often learn uh, wisdom by what is not wisdom. I often learn how to do life by the, the realities of what I learn how not to do life. Would you agree? And for this young man, he learned how to do life well by doing life badly at the start. Um, and so we see that the turning point comes for this young man when it says in Scripture, he comes to himself, and which simply suggests he made a wise choice. 
He made a wise choice. He decided, he, he said, this is silly, stupid. Here I am in a pig pen doing culturally what I shouldn't do as a Jewish man, you know, mixing with unclean animals. Here I am starving, nowhere, nothing to eat, no wage, uh, no clean clothes. Um, what am I doing here? And he came to himself, he made a wise choice, he got up and went back to his dad. Um, so we see that was when wisdom started to kick in for this young man. Everything up to that point had been quite bad in his decision-making process. Now he starts to make good decisions and wisdom starts to prevail, which is great. He learnt, as I said, how to do life well by not doing life well. And for us this morning, uh, for me this morning, um, we've all made mistakes, haven't we? Um, and some might be larger than others, but that's not what we're looking at this morning. The reality is we've all come made mistakes. And I want to say up to this point in our lives, up to this moment here on this Sunday, it's not about the mistakes we've made in the past. It's what we learn from the mistakes so we can walk into a better future. So we can learn from it. And, you know, because the truth is, is we need to pick ourselves up. And we have picked ourselves up. And we've walked back to the Father in a sense. And you know what God would just say to us this morning, never return to that place again. Never go back there. Just never go. And if we do that, that's wisdom. Because I want to talk about the wisdom of the prodigal. It's not a title that you would put necessarily on this passage and this story because there doesn't seem to be a lot of wisdom in it. But when you go beneath the surface, there's a whole lot of things you can learn from this young man and the story that unfolds that Jesus told. And so while it, you know, it's essential, uh, wisdom, of course, is an incredibly good thing. Wisdom is making right decisions and following through with them. And wisdom is essential for many reasons because wisdom, of course, uh, is a life skill that helps us stay alive. In the most dramatic sense of it, it helps us stay alive. There's a scripture in the Bible that says this, fools die for lack of wisdom. And as sobering a thought as it is, there's people in our lives today, maybe, that are not here on the planet Earth because of foolish decisions. Do you know what I mean? So wisdom is vital. Wisdom is important. Wisdom keeps us alive. And God has plenty of it for us. It's just that we need to sometimes dive in to find out what it is. There was always the story, you know the story, some of you heard it, of two men who were hiking through India and they saw a tiger in the distance. And unfortunately, the tiger saw them and so they started to run. And after running for a while, they realized the tiger was catching up to them. And so they, one of them stopped and the other pulled up and said, what are you doing? He says, I'm putting on my running shoes. And of course, he says, well, why are you putting on the running shoes? We're not going to outrun this tiger. He says, I don't have to. I just have to outrun you. <laughs> so that's not, that's, not a, that's not an illustration on how to make friends and wins, win people. Okay? But there is wisdom. And wisdom keeps us alive. Would you agree? And wisdom kept one of them alive, the other got eaten, all because he decided to put on his running shoes. So wisdom is essential. Wisdom is everything that we need. It keeps us out of trouble. It keeps us alive. It keeps us making right decisions. And it's important. But I've discovered, I've discovered what wisdom is by what it not is. And this is what this young man discovers. He, he discovers what wisdom is by what it isn't. And I wanted to just talk with you about some of those things this morning that out of this young man's life we can see that is just 
so important for our wisdom if we're going to continue to move forward in life and just live life to the full. And the first thing I just wanted to say was to avoid, and you know, I'm going to tell you what we shouldn't do, to avoid wisdom, to avoid any element of having wisdom in your heart and mind, just stop thinking. Just stop thinking. In actual fact, go a little bit further than that. Stop thinking about the right things, and most importantly. If you don't want wisdom, stop thinking about what the right things to do. Um, if we just went back to this passage of Scripture in Luke 15, 12, it says, The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided them to them his livelihood. Um, it's interesting, but the words falls to me quite literally means to reflect on or to think on. And what was being said in this passage, this young man saying to his father, the things that I'm thinking about, my inheritance, the dollar signs that I'm thinking about, I want you to give it to me. I'm thinking about my inheritance. Would you give it to me? And even though it was only ever going to be half of what his older brother received, because the older brother always received twice as much as the younger brother in Jewish culture. And even though it was only half, all this young man was thinking on was dollar signs. And as we know, as he thought about the dollar signs, we know that he made some pretty lousy choices about it. But all he could think of, you know, anybody who gets money quickly has got a choice. Invest it wisely or waste it. And you, would, you might know some people who have got money very quickly, maybe an inheritance or maybe have won something. And you know that sometimes it says 70% of people who win the lotto, for instance, and get millions of dollars within 12 months, 70% of them have got less than what they started with before. What's it speak to us about? People don't know how to handle. All they see is the dollar. All they think on is what they've got and how, wow, and it just goes to the head and they waste, waste it. And this young man, unfortunately, all he was thinking on was saying to his father, give me, what I, give me my inheritance. Now, which was which was legal to do in Jewish culture. The young the sons could ask for their inheritance, but it was neither sensible nor loving or respectful towards his father. It wasn't sensible for asking for the money because in hindsight, we see what the young man done with it. He wasted it, nearly destroyed his life. It wasn't loving or respectful to his father because what he was saying to his father while his father was still alive and asking for his inheritance was literally saying, you know, I wish you were dead. That's not very respectful. But that's what he was, in a sense, was saying to his father. And that's what kind of Jewish culture shows us. He was saying, I wish you were dead because I just want my money, but give it to me anyway. And so we see that these, this young man, what was being outplayed in his life, and, and he was basically, he wasn't having the right thought. Because if he'd thought right about it, he would have acknowledged the reality that maybe he wasn't thinking about using that money as an investment, but using that money just to continue to live a riotous and prodigal life. And if he thought about it, he would have stayed at home possibly. If he thought about it, he would have stayed and worked for his father until he was old enough until uh, eventually he either got married and left home or, or his father passed away and able to take the inheritance. And, and um, you know, I think his life would have been far more fruitful and, and, and far more um, productive if he'd thought about it. So we need to, I want to encourage you, sometimes we just got to think. And I realize we live in a culture today that wants to take you away every opportunity to not think about the realities of your life or your decisions. Because the world and our culture just wants to take us to the, you know, that almost that 
nothing box, and I know that terminology is used particularly for men, but it's a reality. The world just wants to take us to the nothing box where we don't have to face that problem, we don't have to face that issue, we don't have to face those things, and thus we never grow in wisdom. Sometimes the culture says, well, if you just fill your life with Xbox, Facebook, Instagram, Foxtel, or just plain TV, you don't have to think about then they're, they're And there's nothing wrong with those things in the, within themselves, but our culture continually wants to give us opportunity to never think and just to continue to live life at a very surface level. And never maybe drill down and start to think about what you need to do. They're the, they're the tools of our culture that have given us... Uh, that, uh, that have given us to avoid thinking and thus never going near wisdom. And it's, it's a dangerous thing. This, Proverbs 14, 15 says this. A childish person believes anything, but a wise person thinks about how he lives. Just the, you know, if, if, if today you just started to think about life, gave yourself some time in this day and just thought, and I, you might say, well, I do, but no, no, think a little deep. Just think about the decisions. See, if you were to think about how you are living, what would you, what would you say would be a wise change that you would have to make today? Would, be, would you think about how to speak differently to people? Would you think about stopping certain habits that control your life? Would you start to think about how to treat your family differently? Would you start to think about stopping certain attitudes that you know are destroying you? Would you start to think about, because, you know, until we start to address things, we, we, by thinking about things, we address things. This young man didn't think too deeply at all. He just thought about the money. He didn't think about the issues. His thoughts were, get the money and let's enjoy life. He didn't think about investment. He didn't think of anything like that. And so he, 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 he just spun off like a car out of control in life. And he didn't stop and think. And, and maybe today you, you could relate to that because you know there's some things that you don't want to address, you don't want to face, but you just got to give yourself time to think about them. And if you thought about them, you'd start to make better decisions. Because we live in a culture that encourages us not to think about those things. But we just need to think. Think. I think if we were given, sometimes we don't think because we're too busy. James gives us some advice. You know the verse, it says, um, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Isn't that true? Quick to listen, it's really saying, hurry up and listen. That's what it's saying. Hurry up and listen. In other words, if you were to put speak, uh, slow to, uh, quick to listen and slow to speak, you could define those two thoughts in one word. Just think. Think. Because what you do when, you don't, when you're quick to listen, it means you're going to think about what's being said. And when you're slow to speak, you're going to think before you speak. Isn't that true? That's what James is saying in the book of James. He's saying, come on, would you just think? Think. Is that old saying, you know, look before you leap. I think it's a good saying to say, think before you leap. That's what it's really saying. Albert Einstein, would you agree? One of the greatest thinkers of the modern time. In the last couple of centuries, that is, of course. Um, great thinker. Came up with E equals MC squared and all those wonderful things that a lot of us say wouldn't have a clue what it's really about. But anyway, it sounds good. Um, Einstein said, thinking is more important than knowledge. And he had so much knowledge. He said, thinking is more important than knowledge. 
What was he really saying? He's saying he, he was saying, you see, we all know what we should do, but do we do what we know we should do? I'll say it again. So, because we all know what we should do, but do we do what we know we should do? And the difference between those two things is knowledge and wisdom. Because you can have some pretty um, knowledgeable people, but they're not wise. Would you agree? Not wise at all. And unfortunately, sometimes the, the, the realms of our earth, our world, listen to these knowledgeable people, but they don't have wisdom. And they go on, they take their advice as, you know, as truth. Evolutionists, for instance, they, they're not, well, that's the truth. And they've never thought about it themselves. Whether evolution or creation, what's true? They just take someone else's advice. See, knowledge and wisdom are different. You need both. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge and experience to any given situation. And there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is the information, um, while wisdom... Um, is applying the knowledge. And often we get knowledge, but we never apply it. We know the things we should do, but we never do the things we should do. That's having knowledge, but never having wisdom. And, and, and the truth is, knowledge is, is that intellectual um, fibre of our mind. It's the intellectual, what's the word? Intellectual fibre, while, while wisdom is the moral fibre of our life. Knowledge is the intellectual fibre, and if all you have is a head full of knowledge and never apply it and filter it and apply it through the filter of the moral fibre of your life, my goodness, we'll never see our lives ever going anywhere because we'll never go forward. See, we need both. There's a lot of knowledgeable people out there who get themselves into situations that um, the truth is wise people would have even never even got themselves into in the first place. A lot of knowledgeable people who get themselves into situations that wise people would have never gone near. And uh, that's the difference. And the younger son, he truly thought, uh, if he truly thought, we wouldn't have the story, possibly. Because he might have stayed at home with his father, uh, enjoyed the fruit of that for a season, and then gone out on his own with his inheritance. And when he learned some things, matured and grown up, and uh, had some wisdom about him, we mightn't have uh, this story in Luke chapter 15. But we do, and Jesus uses it. Um, and whether it was a real-life story or just a parable, we're not quite sure, but I, I kind of think it might have been a, a real story that Jesus saw and some happened in someone's family. If not in those families, all of us, maybe some of us have seen it happen in our family. Here's another thing about wisdom out of this young man's life that we can glean. To avoid wisdom, do whatever you feel. Do whatever you feel. And once again, we're addressing more of a cultural issue that we need to really get out of our lives because Luke 15, 13 just says this, and not many days after the young son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, uh, and there wasted his possession with prodigal living. Prodigal living is simply unrestrained living or, un, or, or no moral restraints. No moral restraints. Do what you feel. Can we just say that again? Do what you feel. Do what you feel. And I was born in the 60s, but as I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and only in hindsight now do I realise what was happening in those, that culture of Australia, but there was this thought came in, if it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. And so thus started the age of terrible destructive lifestyles. Terrible family dysfunction. Feel good, do it. 
The truth is, if your feelings are all that you have, how else do you make decisions? And this is the wonder of living by feelings. You never have to endure anything because you can just stop doing it because it's too hard and it doesn't feel nice. And you and I maybe would call that just quitting. But they don't. They'd call it just being true to themselves. I doesn't feel like doing that. I'm glad that the teachers that taught me didn't give in to me when I say, well, I don't feel like doing that. They said, well, tough. You're going to do the homework anyway. And I thought, oh, that's rude. <laughs> no, it was right. And when I learned to do the homework, I reaped the benefits of that, but it meant I had to do some hard work. I'm glad when my employer said, would you do that job? And I felt in my heart, don't want to do that. But I did it anyway. I learned something. And actually, when you do things that you don't feel like doing, you step into the realm of growing in wisdom. You step in. It can be hard, but it can do something in your life. See, so if you do what you feel like when you... Then you, if you do what you feel like, you don't have to worry about such things as building patience in your life. You don't have to worry about the need for endurance. And you'll never need to demonstrate any elements of courage. Because you can just back away from it. I don't feel like doing that. Um, the moment things get hard, uncomfortable, unsavory, we could just say, I don't feel like it. Come on, parents, you never, if you gave in to your kids every time they said, I don't feel like it, do you know what you would grow? A child that would be so dysfunctional and spoiled that you would struggle as they get into their teenage years to keep them even at home because they don't feel like it. I'm glad when my daughter's done the wrong thing and even though I didn't want to smack them, I did, even though they said, don't want you to smack me. I'm glad I did because they're all sitting on the front seat of a church now because of it. <laughs> See, the path of least resistance is the path of just feeling good, isn't it? And the path of least resistance is really good because it's just a downhill. It's just all free ride. It's no pressure, no strain, no commitment involved. But it never teaches, it takes you away from the path of wisdom. It takes you the path, away from the path of truth. And, and, and if you never, never allow any commitment or feeling, uh, or commitment or, 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 or um, things to happen in your life like that, it, 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 you never develop a wonderful thing called character. And, and if you never develop character, you never develop wisdom. You never develop. And of course, some of us say, well, I don't feel like it. And I'm just being true to myself, which is really a cop-out because Jesus never told us to be true to ourselves. Jesus never, the Bible doesn't say be true to myself. The Bible says die to myself. The Bible doesn't say live by feelings. It actually says you can live by faith. And faith is hard sometimes. Faith, you know, at ground level, I'm not just talking about some high and mighty belief. I'm talking about living every day in faith and saying, God, even though... I've got this struggle. I'm believing that you're a God that can pull me through. And that can be difficult and, 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 and that can be hard sometimes. But I want to tell you, it reaps a life of blessing. 
it reaps a life of blessing. It's living by what God says. And if Jesus, we allow Jesus to be all that he can be in our life, he becomes our moral compass and our, and our compass for life. And he becomes our direction and hope. And we can lead life. Because um, going back to the first point of thinking, when we start to think, we can give our opportunity, opportunity to actually meditate even on what God's word would say. And when you start to think and meditate on what God's word says, man, that can be powerful in your life. Because sometimes we never read God's word because we're so busy never wanting to think about anything. But we need to, and we need to realize, you see, feelings come and go, don't they? They say that love is not a feeling, it's an act of the will. I hope most of us would have that testimony, because if Malcolm said to Sandy, tomorrow I don't feel I'm in love with you, Sandy, and said I'm out of here, which will never happen because I know him, that would be shallow, wouldn't it? Because truth is, is that we don't go on feelings. Love is a commitment, isn't it? It's an act of the old will. It's a growing and growing in wisdom and maturity and strength. And, and so feelings and emotions are not what we need to make decisions out of. Feelings and emotions are good. God's given to them as a gift to us. We, we feel things and we have emotions and that's wonderful but, but never, they're a lousy way to find direction if you want to build substance and wisdom in your life by simply making decisions out of some grand emotion. you just got to give yourself time to think. And you know what I'm saying? Um, don't make important decisions in the feeling times or the emotional times. And so we see this young man, we see that he... He's prodigal living. He just said, whatever feels good, I'm going to do it. it. There's another word for prodigal. It means riotous. That kind of conjures up some thoughts. That means just going all out, just splurging, never withholding anything from your desire or passions. Imagine if we all did that. Far out what a messed up world we'd have. In actual fact, that's probably why we've got partly a messed up world. So... To avoid wisdom, never think. To avoid wisdom, do what you feel. And the third thing, to avoid wisdom, just be stubborn. Just stick to something no matter what the facts say. Just be stubborn. Luke 15, 14 and 16. When he had spent all their there arose a severe famine in the land. He began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Question, why would this young man not come to his senses right at that point after he'd run out of money, friends, and accommodation, and food, and go home? Why wouldn't he do it after that point? Why did he go and give himself to a citizen of the country to go and look after pigs? Why, did, why didn't he just go home after he ran out of money and not go to the guy who had the piggery? Why? And a better, another question is, who would work for an employer who never gave you a wage or at least some food? Who, who would ever work for a guy like that? Can you see the insanity of this young man? Can you see why he's, he's entrapped himself? Why he's staying put? Why he's not going home? Because of pure stubbornness and pride. And possibly the concern that he's, he's, he's shamed his father too much in what I've done. I think he was... You know, he, he just got to a point where, man, I'm willing to do the insane thing 
of working in a piggery, being involved in what is Jew, you know, Jewish culturally unclean and uncorrect, incorrect to do. I'm, gonna, I'm starving to death. No one's even given me a wage or any food. I've got only one set of clothes and they're dirty. I've got no accommodation. And yet I'm still going to just stay here for a season. I mean, obviously he made a decision to get up and go. But why would you do that? Why would you have to, you know, only one reason... Just stubborn. Just, it's just, I can't go back now. I've come too far. I've done too much wrong. It's the kind of person who says, I'll show them as they fall deeper and deeper into the pit of stubbornness and, and, and destruction. Famous last words of some people, I'll show them. You know, if you don't want to cultivate wisdom in your life, access every situation with your preconceived ideas that never allow for change or diversion from what you've decided because it's all about your wishes despite the facts telling you something else. Despite the fact that you're starving, despite the fact that you're feeding, an unclean, you know, you're feeding unclean animals by Jewish culture, despite the fact that you've got no place to live, despite all that, I'm just going to stick to my guns. I tell you, many good people have stuck to their guns and, and become a tragedy of life. Um, that young man, unwilling to admit. You know, he was un just unwilling to admit maybe that what he'd done was wrong. But when he did, man, wasn't there a change? Wasn't there a, a victory? Wasn't there a salvation? Wasn't there an exciting moment? And, you know, when he humbled himself, he picked himself up. He says, I'll go back to my dad and I'll just, I've done the wrong thing by God and I've done the wrong thing by my father and my family and my name, my good name. And I've done all these things. And I'm just going to go back and you know what? I'll just be a servant because a servant has got at least a, a bed to lay in and food to eat and, and, and uh, a job. A servant in my, my dad's house was a lot better than what I'm living now because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even a servant with this man that's making me do this job. I'm just a scum of the earth. And my dad, if I'm a servant for my dad, man, that's a lot better. So he got up and he went back. And, you know, um, we need to realize, um, you know, he overcome something when he went back. He overcome his, his feeling of shame. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says this, when pride comes, then comes shame. But when the humble, but with the humble is wisdom. Do you know, humility is not weak. It's strength. It's strength. And this, this verse is such an ironic thought because we have pride because we don't want to be ashamed. We don't want, we don't want people to know sometimes of what's happening in our life. And we, we don't want to be, we don't want to, let, you know, we don't want to think that people think we're a failure. And so we have pride and we keep it to ourselves and, and we keep on, you know, just locked up. And no, I'm okay. I'm good. I can get through this. And, and, you know, and, and it's the exact thing we don't want, but pride leads us into a realm of shame and, 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 and feeling shameful for what's happened and, and all those type of feelings. But you know, when we come to humility, it releases us from that because we think humility means I'm going to have to walk in what people are going to think of me. No, folks, in actual fact, you'll find that there's a father waiting at the other end of the track and he just wants to embrace this younger son. And we have a God that wants to embrace us. And we have more than likely people in our lives who are willing to forgive and move on and help us because humility is, the, is a wonderful element of the beginning of having wisdom. And pride is the one that destroys it. And the very pride that we guard ourselves 
is the very thing that brings shame in the end. And when we humble ourselves, admit our wrong, uh, we're putting into place an attitude that leads to wisdom and grows us. You know, I always remember at the age of eight, my mother bought me a pair of long pants one morning on a Saturday morning. And that afternoon, my next door neighbor, my friend, was going to um, have his birthday party. And I was invited and I was looking forward to that party. But here's the go. I wanted to wear my long pants to the party. And my mother said, you're not wearing the long pants to the party because you'll dirty them. Now, um, there's the voice of wisdom. But the voice of youth said, no, I want to wear them because I want to look good at the party. And I'm not going to the party until you get, let me wear the long pants. And my mum didn't argue with me. She said, you don't go to the party then. That's fine. So I sat on the back veranda of our house watching them in the backyard at the party. They're watching me wondering why I'm not there. And, and, uh, and I thought, uh, I'm not going to party until mum lets me have the pants thinking she was going to give in. Who knows that mothers don't give in? So half an hour sitting on the back veranda and them looking at me and me holding my pride and starting to feel more and more shame because I'm not over there, but I'm here and feeling yuck about it. Finally, I took my long pants off, put my shorts on, went over to the party and had a great time. But you know, so many of us sometimes hold our pride and miss the party. And we don't need to. we just got to humbly bow to it. Hey, and say, Father, I've got to learn. There's some things I can learn. There's some things I want to understand. There's some things I, you know, and I think we all admire people that come to us and say, hey, I've just blown it, but that's okay. You know, we're going to move on. We, you can embrace a person, can't you? We can embrace each other. Um, and that's so important. And the words of this young man were, he came to himself. Do you know, it not only means, uh, it means a lot of things that he made a wise choice, but it also means this quite literally. He, he, when he comes to himself, he falls out. Literally, it means falling out with himself. In other words, he got sick of his destructive lifestyle. Do you know when you get sick of your destructive lifestyle? It's often when you'll allow change. But don't wait till then. Do it a long time before. But he fell out with himself. That's what it means. Come to himself. He fell out with himself. He got sick of his behavior. And he allowed himself some thoughts. He started to think about what his father had and what he was missing out on. And he started to think about some, make some wise choices. And he went back to his dad. And so he, 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 he respected his dad now. Before he didn't respect him. Now he came back to his dad. He humbles himself. He says, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. He's now respecting his dad. And you know the amazing thing about this father is he embraced him. If you, if you had your son or daughter tell him, we just wish you were dead, how would it make you feel as a dad or, or a mother? Not real good. But he embraces him. What, well, that's the grace of the father. Because he could see the heart of the son was humble. And, he, and this young man comes and respects his dad. And, and uh, his father, of course, lavishes him in blessing. And, you know, this is the last thought in relation to this. The Bible says something about this simple transaction we see happen between father and son here. And that the, father started, the son started to respect the father. The son started to... He acknowledged his weakness and his problems and his failings. And the Bible says it this way in Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
Fear as not in being scared of God, you, you know that, but fear. Fear as in reverence and respect of our Heavenly Father. And when we start to reverence and respect our Heavenly Father, when we start to see the realities, and, and that's the first place you park your life, I tell you, everything flows out of that so much in our life. Wisdom starts to flow. When we can respect God's commandment, respect God's truth, respect God's ways, when we can love God and, and love Him, not because we have to, but because we want to, and when we can see that the, a prideful way is not the way God wants us to live, He wants us to walk in humility in Him and not in our own thoughts. He wants us to not you know, live with the attitude of, well, if it feels good, it's okay, but he just wants us to realize there'll be some tough times, but tough times produce great character, produce a blessed life, produce a wise life that makes good decisions. Um, and it all comes out of this. It's called just reverencing and respecting God because that's the beginning of wisdom for our lives. That's the beginning of wisdom. When we allow humility in our hearts and we say, you know, I could learn some things. When we never shut up shop and said, everything that I, learned, I have in life, I've learned enough, I know it all. And we never literally say that, but I've seen some attitudes of people that I think, oh, don't live that way. Their attitude says, I know it all. I think, oh, does that mean we walk around with no authority? No, when you walk with humility, you walk with authority. When you walk with God, you walk with authority. In confidence in Him, not in you but in Him, because you know who you are in Christ Jesus. It's not your double garage powerboat and limousine in your garage. It's not the things you own that, that give you identity. It's not even your status. It's not the name above your door. It's not you know, your gifting and your ability to be able to sing or play or do run or whatever it may be that builds your identity. It's in Him that you fear you respect and reverence Him and then wisdom starts to flow into your life because that's where it comes from. God is wisdom, isn't He? Can we stand this morning? Out of this young man's life, I've read it a hundred times at least in my lifetime, this story, and I've seen, all I've seen is the lack of wisdom in this man. This week or this month, I started to see the incredible wisdom that's in, in the underlining story. And that could be our story today. You know, I've made some mistakes. I've got some regrets. But I'm not going to park my life there. I'm going to move on. Because God gives us a hope and a future, doesn't He? He's always thinking the best about us. Even though He knows our past, He's always thinking the best. He's always thinking the best. He's always got the best plan. And God, we just want to speak into your heart this morning as we stand there just for a moment and say, come on, people, just give up those things that sometimes hold us down. Just give up, you know, knowing, just give up that attitude that just holds you to never growing in wisdom, that attitude of, I know it, I've you know, I know better than others. You know what? You might, but if you live that way, you're not going to have too many friends <laughs> for long. Give up the attitude of, well, whatever. I'm just, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about it. No, you've got to give some thought to it. 
give up our stubbornness of our hearts and just yield to Him, hey? And I'm not trying to condemn us this morning. God, God forbid that. But it's just for us to be open and walk with our God humbly because that's the beginning of wisdom. That's where God wants us to be. Can I just ask you to close your eyes this morning for a moment? Maybe you're here this morning and you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ. You've never made a response to him in, in, the, in the church setting. And you don't have to, to be a Christian. Don't get me wrong. But there's an opportunity this morning. And I just wonder if you know that you need to respond to God. Maybe for the very first time and say, yes, I want to acknowledge God. I want to acknowledge Jesus Christ as my saviour. He saved me from my past, my sin, and I can live better with him now. I want to acknowledge him as my Lord. That is, I want him to rule my life. I want to acknowledge him this morning. Very, for the very first time, or maybe it's you've kind of walked away and you just need to come back and say, God, count me in again. I'm sorry, I just want to walk with you. If you'd love me just to pray for you where you are today, I just love... If you want to make that response and draw near to God and become, definitely be confident in that you're a Christian, that you're a disciple of Jesus, I just want you to lift your hand. Is there anybody? Thank you. Anybody else this morning? Thank you this morning. You may put your hand down. I acknowledge those couple of hands. Anybody else? Thank you this morning. Anybody else this morning? Thank you this morning, sir. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? That's very, God loves the heart of people when we're just honest, hey. I tell you what, as a church, can I just invite those who have just prayed just to stay there? Would you pray a prayer with me where you are this morning? Would, can I invite the whole church just to pray this prayer? And you, it's the simplest way we know. It's just to pray a prayer and you repeat it where you're standing. All of us can do it together and make it your own prayer. Because it's with the heart that we um, believe and it's with the mouth that we confess. And so it has to be your own not my prayer, but your heartfelt prayer. But I'll make it easy and then I'll pray and you could just repeat it, making it your own. So this morning, let's do that together as a church. Let's just, well, let's just you know, stand with these people that have put their hand up this morning. Okay, let's go. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning that you love me so much that you sent Jesus. I acknowledge that Jesus Christ has died for me and taken my sin in my past. I now confess Him as my Lord and my Saviour. I need you, Lord, in my life. In Jesus' name, thank you that you accept me and you embrace me as your child right now in this place. Amen. Lord, I pray for the people that have raised their hand this morning. It's their heartfelt response to you today. I thank you that all heaven rejoices because of people who respond to you. We rejoice as well. And we ask that you would help and strengthen them to walk in your ways, not just in their own, but in your ways. And we ask that in Jesus' name. And everyone agree, said... How about we just give the Lord a hand this morning? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We honor you this morning. Thank you, Father. 
if you're here this morning and just want to acknowledge some of those things that God is putting your hand, His hand upon your life, I'd just love to pray for you too, where you said this morning. I'd just love you to raise your hand and say, Father, count me in. If, if there is areas where you just say, Father, I just need to heal to you. There's areas that I just acknowledge that the Holy Spirit this morning is putting His finger on my heart about some issues and struggles. And um, Come on, you just raise your hand this morning. Let's just pray. Father, I pray for every hand that's raised today. It's not my prayer that makes it powerful. It's the Holy Spirit here this morning that imparts into us life, gives us a hope and a future. And I ask for every hand that's raised, everybody acknowledging what they're facing, Father, that you would strengthen them, that you'd help them to come through, not just help them to do, not just to know what they should do, but to, to do what they know they should do. Father, to walk in strength and not in our own selfishness, Lord, to give more time just to think about what is right and true and good and pure and worthy of praise. Help them, Lord. Father, we ask Holy Spirit, do more than I could ever do, and that is in part your touch and your revelation in the heart of your great love for them and your truth this morning. And Father, we ask that in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said again, amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. Come on. Come on. We just praise you, Lord. We just thank you, Father.